Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart, and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. In John chapter 17, Jesus says that eternal life is really all about knowing God and knowing Jesus Christ whom God the Father had sent. Knowing God. In the ministry of Christ, we have been granted access to God the Father. And we can come in to love God. We can come in to enjoy God. We can come near to God to have one life and one living with the Father. But we can also come into know God. That is, we can come into the understanding of who He is. To some extent, we can come into the knowing of His will and His way and His purposes. We can come into the economy of God. We're no longer left out in the dark. We are no longer, in a way, the slaves that don't know what the Master is doing. We have been brought near, and we can know God. This knowing of God is an issue of light coming into our being, an issue of enlightenment. It's an issue of revelation, and all believers in Jesus Christ, all followers of Christ, all children of Almighty God, we have been invited into the knowing of God. That's why Christ even gave us the eternal life, so that we can become one nature with God and enjoy the life of God. And furthermore, know God. My question today is, how do you know God? Although we can't know everything God knows, and by knowing, I'm not really talking about information. It's, it's the knowing that's almost the knowing of a man and a woman in marriage. They, they know each other. They may not fully understand each other always, but the man knows his wife intimately. The wife knows her man intimately. And it's the same with God. It's not like I fully, fully understand God, but I know him. How do you know God? Today, I want to really mean business with this issue that you cannot know God through your human faculties. Inasmuch as a man and a woman cannot know each other fully, it, it takes a lifetime to really get to know one another. Can you use your human faculties to know God when it doesn't sometimes even work with your spouse. Today I'm going to share with you that in your humanity, in your human constitution, you do not have what it takes to know God. Something has to happen to you in spirit. But then why doesn't it happen in spirit? We know that when I'm born again, I have access to the throne of God. I'm one with God. I, I live in Him and I move in Him. Why do some of us still not know 
really who God is. We walk around in darkness and we stumble and we get offended with God and we're confused often about what his intentions are towards me and the times in which I live. I want to share with you today that unless your internal man, your inner constitution is humble before God and emptied before God and receptive in a way like clay, you can impress the clay to form it and shape it. If you are not impressionable before God, and that's the spiritual picture of meekness, is to be impressed by God. If God cannot impress himself into you, you do not have what it takes to know God. So today, I want to really mean business also with this aspect of humility, tenderness, meekness, emptiness, kenosis before God from the Greek. And I want to share with you that if you could have this internal condition of contriteness and tenderness before God, he will make himself known to you and his heart will no longer remain a mystery. Yeah, you may not know everything God knows, but you will know that you know that you know God is with you and whatever befalls you circumstantially, um, this is not the end of the story because you have a knowing that is of the realm of the spirit, not a knowing that is of your sensory knowledge and capacity. I hope today encourages you. It's a, it's a tough message. And in a way, I'm trying to elevate your inner man in humility and put down your outer man in haughtiness because your outer man... Your physical, sensory capacity is really incompatible with God. So you want to know God the Father? You want to know Jesus the Christ? I submit to you the key is humility. And you walk humbly and tenderly with your Lord, and you will not only love Him, but you will know Him. Knowing God, it's a crucial aspect of the Christian life. We're not just in this for a ticket to heaven, as is the shallow approach to God. We've been saved to become one with God and to be in Him and for Him to be in us. This is the grand goal of God's interaction with man. God's redemptive work with you is not just to get you out of Egypt, but to get you into the good land. Amen. So most of you and I view salvation just as the escape of Egypt. Oh, so glad I'm done with Egypt. But many of us are wandering in the desert. And God wants to bring you through the desert and into the good land. There is a progression in God. Again, so many of us were just used to a shallow presentation of the gospel. And even in you and I's lifestyle and experience, we're just so glad that we're free from hell, set free, out of bondage, out of Egypt, but we're still in the desert, wandering about. Saints, that is not the full burden of the Lord. We're going somewhere. We're going to be in God. 
We want to live in Him and move by Him and have our whole being in Him, supplied by Him, the fountain within me, life within me, living by the Lord. This is Canaan. This is the good land. This is where we want to go. Now, over the next many hours, I want to present to you this issue of knowing God, this issue of understanding God, God revealing Himself, revelation. How do I get revelation from God? But I think we've underestimated how much darkness governs you and I's daily knowing of God. Even when we open up the Bible, immediately there's the picture of darkness into which God has to speak. Let there be light. You see something of the satanic agenda way there in Genesis chapter 1. But immediately you see something of the burden of God. Light. Light. And I'm not sure if many of us have been taught about this issue of light. Seeing, spiritual knowing, spiritual illumination, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Seeing. This is such a huge issue. Now, let me tell you just simply this from the start. If you cannot spiritually see, your walk with God will be the most frustrating thing ever. That's why many of us backslide. Because we cannot see. We cannot understand. We don't have revelation. So what happens is when you interact with God, but in a way of darkness, you can't see what He's doing. He's not revealing Himself to you. And you're in the flesh. And you're in the senses. You're just in your natural understanding. Is your Christian life not just miserable? Is it not just a schlep and a frustration? So many of us are just caught up in darkness, in blindness. And this is God's heart. Let there be light. I think most of us want goosebumps. We want signs. We want wonders. We want God to impress us. But I'm telling you, more than the need for that is your need for spiritual comprehension. This is something that we've overlooked, and this is a burden on my heart to present to you here at Legacy. So on your notes, our heading is Knowing God by Revelation Alone. The point that we're going to try to impress you with here is that you do not have in your natural man the capacity to know God. God has to reach down and reveal Himself to you. But there is a condition that you can foster within yourself that makes it easier for God to reach you with light. And there is something in you that can actually restrict light, reject light. So we'll tackle that in the next many hours, but first... Knowing God comes by revelation. I have just a few introductory thoughts here for you on the issue of revelation, light, enlightenment, understanding, comprehension, illumination, all of those words. We just want to sum up in one word, light. 
So I say it for you here, point number one. Light, which is spiritual understanding, spiritual seeing, spiritual knowing, and spiritual apprehension, comprehension, spiritual discernment, spiritual wisdom, spiritual revelation, is the effect of God's divine life that is resident within the spirit of a man. When man is under the consistent life-giving supply of God in his inner man, the knowing of God is experienced. The condition of one's mind is enlightened, perhaps even challenged. The scriptures are intuitively discerned and understood. The will of God becomes remarkably clear. And the new man in Christ is also revealed. And the man in sin, your old man, is confronted. Illumination, that is spiritual enlightenment, is the need for any person that is born of Adam. Sin has caused every man to hide from God. So God, therefore, is a mystery to man. God is obscure to man because of this hiding thing. So when man looks at God through the Adamic nature, confusion, questioning, and darkness will be a reality. When man is born of the Spirit of God and looks to God through the wonderful Lord Jesus Christ, then light, certainty, understanding, clarity, illumination, comprehension will become man's experience. Point number three, God alone is the giver of revelation. God alone can make himself known. Man cannot employ any issue, any element of this world, of his day, of his time, of his age, to know God. The gospel is therefore the issue of God pursuing man and impressing man with his light. I give you a hint here under point, point number four. Humility is a sure way to condition oneself for revelation knowledge. You highlight that because we're going to come back to that um, a little bit later. And then lastly, point number five, as just an introduction here, truth is the experience of light inside of one's being. The absence of God's shining in a person simply breeds philosophy and opinion. A few thoughts there by way of introduction. This is a serious issue. It's for God to make Himself known to you 
and for you to really know God. So, let's dig into this a little bit under the next heading. Man's inability to grasp heavenly light independently of God. Number one, although man has been endowed with an ability to observe his surroundings as a created being, the fall has rendered man incapable of accurately and entirely interpreting God through his natural man. Saints, let me read it again, because now I'm going to dig into this. You and I have been endowed with ears and eyes, imagination, creativity, and we do live in a world where we can observe so many things. But because of the fall, darkness has come into you and I's eye. Darkness has come into you and I's ear. Darkness has come and taken a hold of you and I's imagination, our creativity, our observation. So no matter how many beautiful things God has put in creation to speak to us, very few of us can see God speaking, hear God speaking, discern the Lord speaking. It's that God doesn't get through to us. Even though He speaks through the stars and He speaks through creation, and we should know God. The reason we don't is because of the fall. At the fall, sin and death has come into you and I. And with sin and death, the experience of darkness. So God speaks through your parents. God speaks through circumstances. God speaks through a tree and through the mountains. And God speaks through water and bread. God is speaking. Amen. But why don't you discern that? Because there is darkness within you. How did you get that darkness, that veil, that murky, cloudy vision? Because of the fall. So even though you and I can observe things and see things, very few of us can interpret God in it. We can't accurately discern God. Why? Because there's a veil over you and I. Plus... To make matters worse, sin and death is operative within you. Do not underestimate what the fall has done for you. It has put sin and death within you. So what happens is, because of that internal nature of sin, you and I keep missing the revelation of God. And we try to use our natural man to discern God, our natural ear to hear God. Oh, and we can't. We can't. Something has got to happen to us. God has to come and reveal Himself to you in a spiritual way. You cannot use your natural man to know God. Point number one, although man has been endowed with an ability to observe 
his surroundings as a created being. The fall has rendered man incapable of accurately and entirely interpreting God through his natural capacity. We need the Spirit. And then Paul goes on to say, those of us that are born of God, we have the Spirit of God, whereby we can know the things of God. So we can begin to accurately interpret God. We can know the Lord's mind. We have Christ's mind. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit. So when Paul in Acts 19 comes to the believers there in Ephesus, his first question, did you receive the Spirit of the Lord? They're like, uh, what is that? It's so important in Acts 19 for Paul that the believers receive the Spirit because if you don't receive the Spirit, God is still not going to make sense to you. You're still not going to know the real gospel. You're not going to really know who God is on the inside of you. You're not going to really know God's agenda, God's will, God's pleasure, God's desire, God's burden, God's heart, God's economy. You're going to be clueless. Paul says uh, to the Ephesians, Acts 19, did you receive the Holy Spirit? To the Corinthians, he says, we did. Therefore, we can know God. So I want to ask you, The day that you believed, the day that you raised your hand, the day that you were led to the Lord, the day that you gave your heart to Jesus, did you receive the Holy Spirit? If you did, then the knowing of God is your portion. Come on in. Maybe you did receive the Holy Spirit, but you've never been taught how to walk in Him. Therefore, the things of God remain a mystery. I want to impress you with this thought, this truth, that as a man, as a pure human, you are incapable of knowing God because you're incompatible with God. You're made out of flesh, God of spirit. You're incompatible with the Lord. Yet many of us want to use the elements of this age, the elements of my flesh, my creativity, my imagination to know God, and no wonder we fall short So the bullet there on your note, man's sensory capacity alone renders you incapable of knowing God. Your senses, your feelings. So many of you just still are on this issue of feeling. I just don't feel God. You're not going to. I mean, seriously, are you all okay if I tell you the truth? See, many of you get a goosebump and then you think like God showed up. Tomorrow you get none. It's like, God left me. Why? <laughs> a spiritual man interacts with God in a much deeper way. The way of the Spirit. 
irregardless of whether I get a feeling in my flesh or not, we're learning to walk with God in spirit by faith, not by sight and feeling. Your senses are meant for interaction with this world. Your spirit is meant for interaction with God. That's why Jesus say, you have to be born again, otherwise you won't even see the kingdom of God. That's John 3, verse 3. You will never discern anything of the heavens in reality unless you're born of the Spirit of God. When you do use your senses, you're going to get into error and you're going to come up with just superstition, imagination, and God will be only as big to you as your creativity is vivid. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, when Jesus begins to speak about the kingdom of God and he uses a lot of stories to vividly illustrate what the kingdom of God is all about. He had just spoken the parable of the sower and that seed falling by the wayside and by shallow rocky soil and by thorny occupied soil and in the good soil. And so the disciples come to him and ask him to explain a little bit deeper what is the story all about. Let's pick it up there in verse 9. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Of course, this story doesn't make a whole lot of sense to the disciples because their understanding can't fully comprehend what's going on. They can't see with their eye and hardly hear with their ear really what Jesus is saying. So Jesus starts off here and he says, hey, you need to listen with a different set of ears, so to speak. We know that he's saying, hey, listen with your spirit. Listen with your inner man. So the disciples, they uh, come to him, they say, why do you speak in parables? Why do you speak in a riddle, in a story? And he answered and he said to them, because to you... It's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of the heavens. But to them, it has not been given. Saints, get this into your spirit. God gives revelation. And God withholds revelation. So what provokes God then to give revelation? And what stops God? giving revelation. Does he just flip a coin? Or does it have something to do with your condition? We'll get to that a little bit later. But your condition causes God to interact with you by way of revelation or God to withhold revelation. But I want you to know God wants you in On the mysteries of the kingdom. Yeah. Amen. Verse 12. For whoever has. It shall be given to him. And he will abound. But whoever does not have. Even that which he has. Shall be taken. Away from him. Aha. The context becomes a little bit more plain. God is looking for something in you. And if you have it, 
more is given to you. You don't have it. Even a little bit that you do have, God takes away. That tells me Jesus is giving us insight into, into how the kingdom of the heavens work. He makes a statement. God's going to reveal the kingdom to some people. And to other people, it's going to be just a big old mystery. Some people will see, and others that do see, they're going to be blinded. God decides that, but He decides it upon what principle? He's looking for something in you. And Jesus says, if you've got a little something, God's going to give you more and you'll abound. You don't have that something God is looking for, even the little bit of revelation you have, God takes it away. <gasps> so there is an interaction between God and me. God doesn't just flip a coin and give to some and withhold to others. He is intentionally searching this earth. And He is searching the condition of your inner man. He's searching your heart, your motivation, to see, can He entrust Himself to you? And, oh no, not to you. We play a critical role in the receiving of revelation. If you have the condition, the attitude, the motivation of humility, meekness, receptivity, brokenness, contrite spirit, I will dwell with that one. Oh, you have haughtiness? You got it figured out? You use your eye, your senses, your creativity? Okay, that's it. Mystery. So when we talk about this thing of revelation, yes, God gives the revelation, but you and your condition play a huge role. If your condition is proper, you can expect God to open up more to you, the mysteries of His kingdom. But you've got it already figured out, then even the few things you figured out, God takes away. Verse 13. For this reason I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see. And hearing, they just do not hear. And they just don't understand. In other words, Jesus is speaking the mysteries of God. And of course, Jesus is speaking a spiritual word. You remember in John 6, verse 63, the words which I speak to you are spirit and life. They got to connect, not with your natural ear, natural eye, natural understanding, but with your spirit. You have that capacity in meekness, in tenderness, in humility. Boom! The things of God become clear to you. You do not have that. He withholds from you. Then it says in verse 14, Isaiah prophesied well. In hearing, they don't hear. They don't understand. And they do not see. And they do not perceive. Why? Look at verse 15. This is crucial. For the heart of this people has become fat. In other words, lift it up. The Jewish people of the day, they had God figured out. So Christ could profit them nothing. Christ brought the real interpretation of God. But they were so fat and so full, 
Their condition of their inner man did not match what God was looking for, so they never could see Jesus as the supply, as the answer, as the definition of God. You with me? Saints, we have to guard against a fat heart. We have to guard against a fat heart. In fact, hold your place and turn to chapter 5. Let me show you what Jesus is looking for. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. Jesus begins to speak here in chapter 5 about the kingdom of the heavens. It says in verse 1, And when he saw the crowds, he went up to a mountain. Mountains is where the Lord discloses himself, where God makes himself known. Jesus goes up onto a mountain to bring the revelation of God's kingdom. So he goes up onto this mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Who comes to him? The disciples. That's right. He sees the crowds, but the disciples come to the mountain. That's what legacy is. Even though we're at a lake, this is a mountain. This is a mountaintop experience. And we are so hoping that at this mountain, Jesus would unveil for you the things of the kingdom of the heavens, the things of Christian living, walking in spirit. So it says, and he opened up his mouth and he taught them. And notice the first thing. Blessed are the poor in their spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of the heavens. You're blessed when you're emptied, when you've got nothing to give God. You're blessed when you're poor, miserable, naked, blind. Jesus says, this is the person I'm looking for. An empty person, an unloaded person, a person who's got nothing figured out. He's not fat in his heart. A person that has not arrived. A person that is tender and meek and just available and just, Lord, you can speak to me. I'm absolutely yours. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of the heavens here you see a link between your spirit and the kingdom of the heavens not blessed are those who can see and hear and has a great imagination the kingdom and its reign and its dynamic becomes your experience in spirit jesus says you're blessed when you're poor unloaded emptied Verses here in chapter 13, verse 15, these people are fat. Let's read again here in chapter 13. For the heart of this people has become fat, lifted up with pride. With their ears they have heard heavily. Notice here, the Jewish people of the day, their ear, oh, cannot receive from God. And their eyes, they have closed lest they perceive with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn around and I will heal them. So again here, um, Jesus is really rebuking the, 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 the culture of the day who's lifted up and has closed their eyes by saying, really, we've seen it all. They have closed their ears by saying, we've heard it all. So they were questioning Jesus, where do you speak these things from? Because we've heard everything. We've not heard this. But they were heavy, so they couldn't hear. They've already arrived. Saints, no matter how many years we walk in the Lord, let's not arrive. Yeah, I appreciate your agreement. Let's not arrive because the Lord withholds Himself from those who arrive. 
But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Why? These fishermen that the Lord called, they were so hungry for the things of God, but all they got was religion. They really wanted to see. They were tender and meek. They got nothing to offer God like a Pharisee. The Pharisee had arrived and God closed the kingdom of the heavens to him and opened it up to the sinners who had nothing to give God. Jesus says, oh man, blessed are your eyes, your ears. For truly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to perceive the things that you see. And they haven't perceived them. And to hear the things that you heard. So here, my point, I want to make very strong. You cannot with your natural eye, your natural heart, really take a hold of the things of the heavens. you got to be in spirit. Look at your notes. Even in John 14, verses 7 and 8. I put it there in your notes and I, I put it in bold. Philip says to Jesus, well, show us the Father. Show us the Father. And Jesus said, have I been with you such a long time, Philip, and you've not known me? That proves our point. They saw Jesus every day. They heard him every day. They walked with him. They went to the lake. They fished. They just, they did healings all day long. And, and they say, show us the Father. And Jesus is like, duh. It proves to me with the natural eye they could never discern it was God in the flesh. Yeah? Is the point coming across?